The Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives BC office has released a report that looks at the idea of a wealth tax in Canada. A lot of people like to talk about the idea of the minimum wage in this country and how that should be higher. But what about the opposite end of that spectrum? Well, maybe there should be a maximum wage. Or what else could be done to make sure those at the top end of the earnings scale pay their fair share? Well, the CCPA BC economist and public finance policy analyst Alex Hemingway's latest research looks at the idea of a wealth tax and shows that a 1% tax on wealth over $20 million would generate nearly twice as much revenue as previously calculated by the parliamentary budget officer, money which could lift hundreds of thousands of Canadians out of poverty as well as fund health, social, and environmental programs. To talk a little bit more about his work, please to welcome to the show, Alex Hemingway. Alex, how are you today? Uh, not too bad. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Hey, thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate this. Now, I guess just first and foremost, how did you come to this calculation that, um, you know, we would see nearly twice as much revenue if uh, wealth over $20 million had that 1% tax? The PBO, you know, had talked about, I think it was $5.7 million could be generated with this idea. But now you're saying it could be closer to $10 million. How did you come to that conclusion? Yeah, and we're talking billions here. Just to, yeah. Did I say uh, millions? Billion yeah, dollars. billions is yeah, what I, I meant to say. say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So basically, you know, first of all, just just to say, the, the parliamentary budget office does great work. Uh, in this case, a couple of things uh, happened that account for the difference. The last time they put out an estimate about this was in July, and they were using data that reflected that big drop in uh, the markets and those asset values really early on in the pandemic. So that depressed their estimate. And the other thing is a, a bit of a more substantive debate. You know, there's a huge amount of uh, research happening internationally on wealth taxes. And uh, what we've done in this paper is incorporate some of that most recent research and in particular what it tells us about tax avoidance and evasion. You know, that's one of the big concerns that comes up when we talk about taxing wealth. Will the, will the rich just find a way out of it through avoidance and evasion? And what we're learning is uh, through the proper design of a wealth tax and, and uh, enforcement that's done appropriately and is that, that is uh, resourced adequately, uh, we can seriously crack down on that type of uh, tax avoidance and evasion. And that means uh, that we can expect higher levels of uh, revenue from a wealth tax than had previously been estimated. So I guess just how many people are we talking about in this study? Like how how many individuals or families in Canada would be impacted on this 1% wealth tax over $20 million? Yeah, that's right. So that so we're looking at over $20 million here, as you say. Uh, that is really the richest of, of the rich in Canada. You know, sometimes when we talk about inequality, we talk about the richest 1%. Mm-hmm. Well, here we're, we're looking at an even narrower slice. We're talking about the richest 0.2%. Uh, about 25,000 families would be uh, 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 required to pay this type of tax. Uh, that very tiny fraction of Canadians uh, together... Uh, currently control $1.8 trillion of Canada's wealth, 25,000 families. Uh, so, you know, I, I think uh, it, it's it's uh, more than fair uh, to ask uh, these folks to, to chip in and, and, and really re-contribute uh, what is wealth that we've all created uh, uh, together in this country through our work, through our public investment in the infrastructure and education and uh, health care that, that make this country work and, and make wealth creation possible to begin with. Are there a, a lot of other examples around the globe of countries that are already kind of taking similar steps to what your paper is looking at here that you can kind of look to as examples moving forward? 
Yeah, the, the proposals for modern wealth taxes are, are really taking off just over the past few years, uh, both at a political level and at a research level. So, you know, we saw uh, south of the border uh, during the Democratic primary last year, uh, Elizabeth Warren, one of the senators down there, and mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders were p- proposing wealth taxes in the U.S., actually ones that are uh, even more aggressive than what we're putting on the table here. They were talking about getting up to rates of uh, 6 7 8% uh, annually on, on billionaires. And those proposals have been uh, examined and costed by uh, economists like uh, Gabriel Zuckman and Emmanuel Saez down at the University of California, Berkeley. There's also a new trove of research published on this issue in the UK. Uh, just in December, there was a wealth tax commission based out of the London School of Economics, my alma mater, that looked into uh, how the UK can go about implementing a wealth tax. Now, I think in both countries, that's not on the agenda of the current administrations, but it's being uh, pushed by by politicians and researchers uh, who are making the case that this is, in fact, a, a realistic and feasible uh, a way to reduce inequality and, and raise revenue we need to, to make important public investments. And really what's been missing is not the, the technical feasibility of, of these types of policies, but it's the political will that, that's not there, you know, in, in, in the societies we live in where the, the wealthy and uh, 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 carry a huge amount of economic and political power. So in, from that perspective, it's it's not surprising that, uh, you know, we haven't seen these policies put in place yet. Yeah. And, and, you know, you talk about how there was, you talk about it on the campaign, on the Democratic side of things in the United States over the past year. And, and it, you know, there was obviously discussion about it. And it feels like there's a lot of discussion around the political world about this type of thing. But it gets really little traction when actually looking to move something like this forward. I guess, is it just a result of votes and, you know, politicians want the votes of the wealthy and they view them as more valuable and they contribute to their campaigns and they don't want to sort of be impacting relationships they have with the wealthy. I mean, what is really the holdup in in terms of why something like this just doesn't seem to get more of a voice? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. And just to put a little bit of context around it, you know, the uh, public opinion on this issue is very, very strongly in support across all of these countries, you know, you look at the latest poll on this in Canada, it was uh, uh, four out of five Canadians, 79% in favor of a wealth tax. And, and here it's not a partisan uh, uh, issue. Among voters, it's not a partisan issue. You know, it, two-thirds of conservative voters were in favor of it. It's really across the, the spectrum, and you see that in other countries as well. It's, it's actually a, a very uniting idea uh, uh, for people. Uh, and in terms of whether that's going to translate uh, politically and, and why it hasn't yet. I mean, part of it is, uh, you know, we've been through, things are changing so quickly right now in our politics and our, our policy, you know, as a result of the pandemic in part, but but also uh, just the increasing uh, instability and, and recognition of the problems that come with inequality over the past few years. You think over the past few decades, we've lived in kind of a stultifying political period of time where we were told again and again that, you know, the cupboard is bare. We can't be, we can't afford to be spending more money on, on public investments. Uh, you know, where are we going to get that money from? Well, the, the, the research is catching up and I'm, I'm hopeful that the politics can too. I, I think, you know, what I would say from my perspective, the, the key to uh, uh, policies like this actually, uh, uh, you know, 
coming into enactment in a country like Canada is that uh, uh, ordinary people, you know, everyday people, Canadians are going to have to push for it from below because the very wealthy are, are well organized uh, and, and well connected. Uh, and uh, but, you know, if there's one thing that can push back against organized money, it's it, it's organized people. And, you know, we've seen that at different points in in, in histories and different types of uh, of uh uh, fights for justice, you know, going back to the civil rights movement or any number of other things, you know, th- these things can change, but it does take a push from below and, and for people to get involved. When looking at this idea, the the PBO, as we talked about earlier off the top, they're sort of estimating, you know, a little more than five and a half billion could have been calculated when you mentioned the, I think it was last July, right, was sort of the last time this was looked at by the pub, yeah. by the 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 parliamentary budget officer, and now you're saying, you know, it could be closer to $10 billion. And I guess I, I want to know, like, when you were kind of going through this study and looking at this exercise, how much of a difference, or did you look at just how big of an impact $10 billion could have in helping to, you know, improve social supports, um, being able to boost the healthcare system? How big of an impact would that be? I mean, $10 billion sounds like a lot, but when you're talking about uh, a federal government, it doesn't quite uh, sound like, you know, as much as it would, you know, and just saying the figure out loud. So just how big of an impact would that potentially have? Yeah, it's a lot of money. And it's, it's the important thing here is that it's a sustainable revenue source. You know, we're not just talking about a one-off source of revenue. We're talking about year after year getting that $10 billion. And in a single year, uh, it, just a portion of that could lift hundreds of thousands of people out of poverty in this country. Uh, you can see long-term increases to funding for social programs like uh, childcare, healthcare, seniors care that we've seen in, 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 in uh, really bad shape during this pandemic. And it can help us uh, face up to that next big crisis looming on our horizon in, in climate change. We know we need ambitious action there. This can help fund it. Uh, and I, I would say that yeah, a wealth tax should be a one part of a broader yeah. suite of policies to address these issues. And I'll just say, quickly say two things about that. One is that you know this $10 billion is, is for a very modest 1% wealth tax. We've also priced out a moderately more ambitious wealth tax structure with a rate that would go up to 3% on wealth over $100 million. So just ramping up progressively on uh, the, the, right. uh, the very highest end. That would raise uh, approximately uh, just under $20 billion per year. And there's other uh, tax fairness measures we talk about in, in, in the research and that are, would be important to go alongside this. Well, uh, it sounds, you know, like a great idea, um, you know, especially, you know, people who earn an average income definitely aren't going to be too worried about that top, you know, 0.2%, as you were mentioning, and um, massive impact potentially on the Canadian economy uh, trickling down if we could see something like this move forward. I'm anticipating a fall federal election, and of course, we know that the debt has continued to climb the national debt in this country as a result of COVID-19 and all of the uh, pandemic relief programs that have had to be laid out there to keep people afloat during these difficult times. I mean, this is just one tool in the toolbox that could really help in, in helping to dig out of that hole. It makes sense to me. We'll see if it comes up during an election campaign, whenever that does occur. I'm anticipating the fall, and maybe this will be an issue at that point in time. But uh, really appreciate this, Alex. It's an interesting piece. It's a great idea, one I like to talk about. And I guess just anything else that you want to highlight here, is there anything we kind of missed that you wanted to point out in this piece before I let you go? Well, I guess the only thing I'll say, you know, I, I hope it, it does become a bigger part of the public debate ahead of, you know, uh, whenever the next election is. And uh, the other thing to keep in mind is when we 
make these additional public investments in areas like childcare, uh, in our infrastructure, in addressing climate action, we're, we're actually setting ourselves up to have a stronger and uh, more productive economy for the long term. So it's, it is an economic policy that can strengthen our economy for the long term as much as it is about uh, addressing those uh, issues of inequality and social investment as well. Alex, thank you as always for coming on the show. Always enjoy having you on. We'll definitely do it again into the future and uh, we'll, we'll direct people as to where they can go about reading this piece once we're done here. But appreciate the time here today and uh, we'll catch up again in the future. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Alex Hemingway, economist and public finance policy analyst with the Canadian Center for Policy Alternatives, BC office. You can read that piece by heading to policyalternatives.ca. It's titled, Wealth Tax Would Raise Much More Than Previously Calculated. Pretty straightforward what it's talking about. And I think it's an interesting concept to continue to discuss. So whatever side of the debate you find yourself on, I think it does remain important to be open. You know, the extremely wealthy, you know, they want to stay that way. An increase in their taxes may cause them to want to live elsewhere. And we definitely don't want to see those dollars leaving our country. But at the same time, we will all be better off if we can help support those who do need it most. Now, I've talked a lot in recent weeks about those who are experiencing mental health and addictions issues on our streets, things like safe supply and mental health outreach and detox facilities and social housing and the role of public health and all of this. All these sectors, you know, need to work together. I don't believe enough collaboration is happening and way too many organizations get their backs up against the wall when these conversations are being had. I've heard, for example, social housing providers being offended when council talked about having more round-the-clock security at places, saying that council is blaming the housing providers for the activity of some that may not even be living within those centers but are you know, responsible for some of the activity happening around those areas. Well, maybe instead of getting upset about it, take a second to figure out how everyone can work together to do things better. And when having these critical discussions and trying to come up with solutions, what is the biggest barrier? It's always a matter of money, right? So if there was an infinite number of dollars that could be thrown at these problems, then there would be less of them. And a wealth tax may be one tool that could be used to help some of those who are most marginalized get the help they need. I want to see everyone who wants and needs help to be able to get it so why not have those with the most expendable incomes maybe help out a bit more? Just a thought, a thought that I believe holds some real merit. But again, I understand both sides of the argument here, so don't, don't get too upset with me, okay? That's all I got to say.